the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. Dennis and Julie. Dennis Prager and Julie Hartman. You imitate that. I know. I know. Watch it. Why would you? Why would you have me say Julie imitated my opening? I did before right this. before this. Do we have a video of it? And uh, no, thank God. So the so funny. I don't understand though. There's no variation on it. Those are our names. Um sort of obligated to state our names and then we move on. No, what I was making fun of wasn't that. Yeah. I was making fun of what comes after. I was Oh, uh, the show number yes, and I asking was saying, Sean. Hello everybody, welcome to Dennis and Julie. I'm Dennis Prager, Julie Hartman, Dennis and Julie. Sean, what number is this? Oh God. One Boy, do I regret hundred. having mentioned this. This you is know, silly. <laughs> I've got a theory. You yeah. know me and my theories. I've got a a, a theory on the amount of pricks in a fork. You know, my theory... The amount of pricks in a fork? Is that Hold the on. fastest I never unit had of a time uh, yeah, you're is right the about week. That. You're wrong about you're gonna the love pricks this. in a fork. Okay, welcome everybody. We're in a goofy mood, apparently. So Julie actually said to me she has a really serious, or at least, I don't know if it's serious, but a, a real subject on your mind. Is that correct? Yes, I do. By the way, before that, though, wasn't there something else we had mentioned? Yes. Yeah, what was that? That all my besties are in their oh, 70s. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. No, it, it, it's a fun, but serious. it's a fascinating, and I think worthy of, of a couple of minutes, just a couple yes. of minutes. So you mentioned in passing to Sean prior to the show Something to the effect, you know, Sean, I'm paraphrasing. You, you do a better job paraphrasing me than I do you. But, you know, most of the people I'm closest to in life are three times my age. Oh, yeah. And it's true. No, it's not a cute line. It is true. So I, I think that's rare. I think it's terrific. Oh, it's rare. It's terrific, but it's rare. This is the first time, I think, in history that the overwhelming majority of time of young people is spent with other young people. Hmm. Why do you say that? Because in the past, it was, first of all, it was common to have three generations in a home. So they, they, they knew grandparents and presumably grandparents' friends and the grandparents' siblings. This, this notion that your whole world is 15 years old is really awful. Hmm. Who are you going to learn from? That's why I, I came to a very interesting theory about it's life. It's said with love, I hope you know. I know that. But my theories are based a lot on, obviously, life experience. I used to think that only children were more likely to be spoiled because parents spoil their only child. Right. It makes perfect sense. Over the course of a lifetime, I have come to actually have great admiration for a lot of people who turn out to be only children. And I am convinced one of the reason is they spend so much time with adults. Hmm. So they were more likely to be mature. You don't get mature from hanging around 15-year-olds. That's true. Yeah, th this is interesting. I mean, I, for me, um, yes, it's true that a lot of my very close friends are many multiples of my age. You're an example. I won't I won't name other names mainly because I'm afraid that if I list 
the people. You'll miss somebody. I'm, I'm missing somebody. It's a very big problem. But, but right, right now, I can think of three to four, maybe even five other individuals who are in their 70s or 80s with whom I am very close, like talk to on a you know, two times a week, three times a week basis. And it's hugely enriched my life. And by the way, just for the record, because this is important, I have a lot of friends my age. I, I've never in Correct. my life. I, I know you do. Thank God. I've never lacked That's for right. friends. I have. I you have, are friends of every age. I mean, I, I do. I, we, we sometimes crack up at the Shabbat table that you're so frequently attending. There. There are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. I know. I'm the one representative from the, the, 20s, of, of the 20s cohort. But, but there, there are plenty in the 30s, 40s. Totally. And, yes. And my, right. I, I actually have a lot to say about this because this wasn't always the case in my life. This really started no. because of you. That's right. And the world that you've introduced me to. Yeah. And, and yeah. if I'm being really honest, a lot of these these four to five people who I'm mentioning are, are, so, are your friends. Right. One of them isn't. One of them... Uh, came about because of this this job but isn't somebody who you know but anyway that wasn't the case for me for much of my life and sometimes when I I I always had a respect for those who were older but sometimes I would think you know they don't they have a limit to what they can offer me and now that I have these like four to five people my life is so enriched And I want to say to young people in particular, if you don't have a mentor or two, you are missing out on a on a fantastic opportunity to learn from someone. And especially being a young woman, people who are in their 70s and 80s, they yearn to pass along their life or professional wisdom to people who are younger, especially now in this world where so many younger people think that that older generations have nothing to offer them. And so I'm taking advantage of that opportunity, A, because I genuinely appreciate their friendship, but B, I know that they will invest time and energy in making me better because it's kind of like a a life fulfilling thing for people of that generation to do that's well said that's correct uh, i i'm trying to think when i was your age i i didn't have what you have i i had let me think i had i I had quite a number of people older than me, but not mm-hmm. uh, not multiple like three times or more. Right. Yeah, but uh, so that's not typical. You lucked out. Uh, I mean, you lucked out. I mean, I know this sounds self-aggrandizing because I'm one of them, but I don't, I don't really care. Part of the reason you lucked out is it's a terrific group of people. Tell me I about mean, it. I mean, forgetting the age. They, they, Tell they, me about yeah, it, Yeah, th- that, that's a big factor here. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, the... The age is not the reason you're close to them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter is more true than yes. it's the reason. Yes. And, you know, there's this – we live in a culture now where people think that certain hmm, – this is, this is vague, but I'll color it with examples – that certain relationships are weird or certain interactions are weird. Like we talk about this on Dennis and Julie. A lot of guys are afraid to walk up to a cute girl in a restaurant and ask her out because it's seen as, as weird. It's seen like, oh, like perhaps creepy. For, for a guy to do that. And I, I've, I've had guy friends who have said, I will sometimes see a cute girl, and I, but I don't want to be creepy. And that's so sad that now that word is used to describe right. what I think is a not creepy, obviously is the potential to be creepy if you're a creep, but going up to someone and asking them out is, is a lovely thing. But people have that too with like, it's weird to be friends with people who are many multiples your age. Like I, I have some friends who are my age and, and they know, I don't think they know the extent of, of my friendships. Yeah. With, well that, that, it, that's odd, but that I can they tell would say the, that. Yeah. I can tell that some of them, they, and I have the most amazingly supportive friends, but I can tell that some of them are secretly like, huh? Yeah. You know, I, like, I believe is that. that, is that weird? Is that creepy? Right. But well, it's a credit to you and it's a credit to them. I, they're, they're, they're youthful and you're mature. I don't, but here's the thing. I genuinely, especially with us, 
people ask me, you know, is Dennis a father figure to you? Is he a grandfather figure? And and, and the answer is no, honestly. I mean, I you right. know I have a wonderful you, father. You have, are. You're a friend. Well, you're right. a best that's friend. Exactly. And that's and people, how I regard you. I don't regard you as, at all as daughter-like. People ask me that. I know. So the, you are, and so am I. I, I came up with a new term just now in my mm-hmm. in my mind, age blind. Yes. Like color blind. I don't discriminate on the basis. No, of no, age. no, no, no. That's not what co- color blind no, means. You, it doesn't matter. Yes. That's I, the point, which yes. is what it should be. Age shouldn't matter any more than it matters in 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 the direction of the youth. Right. If you're a quality human, what do I care if you're 24? It's totally. a, it means nothing to me. Well, that's the thing that that people so preclude themselves from having a rich life because they they set up these artificial boundaries in their heads. They go, oh, well, if I'm 24, then I can only be friends with someone within a five to ten year right. age range. That's that right. is BS. I mean, there there's there's um a a 17-year-old girl who listens to Dennis and Julie. I I won't say her name, although I think I've shouted her out before. And she emails me sometimes. And I would consider her a friend. And she's what? What's twenty four minus seventeen? <laughs> I wasn't a math major. I don't know, but 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 she's a she's a deep quality human being. Right, right. And if we were ever in the same city, we would go to lunch, and and I call her a friend. Why would I think that that's? But but a lot of girls right. my age would go, well, that's weird to be friends with a seventeen year old. You're 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 just harming yourself. And I I have adopted this philosophy of life, which I think is the secret to everything. Find good people. I don't care if they're three times my age. I don't care if they're seven years younger. I don't care what race they are. I don't care where in the world they are. I I don't care what walk of life or what job they do. I mean, Robert Florzak, I'm shouting him out because I've mentioned him. He's one of the the four to five who I speak with frequently. He's an artist. Did I ever think I'd be friends with an artist? I don't consider myself to be an artsy person. But people, people will go, oh, well, I, I'm not interested in that. So this person has nothing to offer me. And he's opened up my entire life to the beauty of art. But it's just, it's just sad that, that people silo themselves. But they're doing it to themselves. So I'm, I'm, seg- I'm segging way. I'm segueing. Funny it's that titled you the episode. Because segging I way. think we've done that subject justice. It, it, it's people, <laughs> not age. Yep. People, not race. It's people, not sex. It's people. Okay, gotcha. I I live it for the reason I have a great life. So when you were mentioning that you're not artsy Mm -hmm. and you'd never expect to be friends with an artist, etc. So I I actually had you in mind last night. Hmm. You'll find this touching. Dennis Prager here with a man I have come to admire. For his work. So when I asked him, what do you do? This is the title he gave, Wealth Architect. Very simply put, I am a wealth architect that helps my clients accelerate the way they grow your wealth. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. The Internal Revenue Code is embedded with a number of things that you can take advantage of. It's what I call playing tax chess. We take the time to play tax chess in your favor. We give our clients unbiased, independent advice across all areas in their financial life because we have no incentive to sell anything. I was taken enough and impressed enough to have you do my work. And you have, in fact, saved me a serious amount of money. CharlesDombeck.com slash Prager. So I, right before I went to bed, I decided I was going to really treat myself. So I subscribe to a whole bunch of music uh, websites. So this one was the Berlin Philharmonic website. Mm -hmm. It's considered often the greatest orchestra in the world. And what were they doing? Uh, Oh, Beethoven's Third, right, with Herbert Blumstead. Oh, talk about age. This is touch you. So they have recent and old... performances on video that you Mm -hmm. can watch if you subscribe to the Berlin Philharmonic website. So they had Herbert Blomstedt. So Sue and I met Herbert Blomstedt the week before the COVID lockdowns. We went to Cleveland to hear a a Bruckner symphony. 
and because we we will travel anywhere to hear Bruckner's Fifth or Bruckner's Eighth. And since a few of the members of the Cleveland Orchestra knew me, they invited me backstage, and I met Herbert Blomstedt, whom I had listened to all of my life. Mm-hmm. The man is in his mid-90s, and he's conducting. Not only, you should look him up, not only is he, is he did he conduct this, this whole symphony, which just even physically takes effort. It's, a, it's well over an hour, that symphony, maybe an hour and a quarter maybe an hour and a half, probably an hour and a half. Uh, But he's also, I know this sounds bizarre, he is a very handsome man in his 90s Hmm. with his beautiful, he has beautiful white hair and and he's he's a good looking man. He's, um, what is he, uh, Dutch? No, he's, uh, I think, Swedish. And uh, anyway, the guy is vibrant and alive and I was watching Beethoven's Third, and as it came to the end, I started to choke up, which is very typical of me. I, I very frequently tear up at classical music. And watching it is so dramatic. I love, I, I have this romantic view of humanity when I watch an orchestra. I really do. It's, it's, I, I go into a different world, not only for the music, but watching... All these different people, every one of them is a virtuoso. Every one of them is a magnificent ex player. Mm-hmm. And but they they have the. I always think of this: you must suppress your ego to be a member of an orchestra. Mm. You can't show off. Well, that's what you say about being an all star versus being on an yes, all star team. That, that's right. Per- perfect. Yes, it's a perfect example of it. The best example in some ways. So, okay, long story short, I'm watching and listening to Beethoven's Third, and I give you my word, at one point, I thought, is it possible for Julie Hmm. to get to love this? Because, you know, I I have, thank God, introduced you to a lot of wonderful things. And, by the way, it doesn't matter to me. I, it, it, it has no impact on how I see you, whether you fall in love with classical music, zero. Uh, it, but I was just wondering, you know, given your depth, because I have made peace with the fact that there are, there are deep people who won't love classical music. I made peace with this 50 years ago. Right. But nevertheless, knowing you and your openness... Mm-hmm. To like like art with with Robert Florzak, uh, could I get you into music? Can you do music with Dennis like art with Robert? Well, I'm actually trying to do that in the car nowadays. I'm listening to a classical music playlist, and I'm slowly learning to appreciate it. It's sort of like tasting a new food. It's it's almost like ha- having spicy food for the first time. It's going to be overwhelming, maybe a bit uncomfortable at the beginning, but then you can learn to like it. You know, I I've, I've been thinking lately. It's again, whenever you bring up something on Dennis and Julie, it fits so in line with something that I've been contemplating. Huh. Because like you, I have theories yes, on everything I and I try to take yes. ta- try to take takeaways from from everything in life, literally everything. I think that you can learn to love something. That's right. And that was that that is a recent realization. Hmm. Because I thought and we we've talked about this before. I've t- I thought like okay, you kind of have your interests, and those are the the boundaries of your life. You know, I never considered myself to be someone who would be interested in art because, quite frankly, every time I went to a museum growing up, and God bless my wonderful mother, whenever we would travel, she would take us to a local museum in that city. I remember being so young and sitting there on those couches in the middle of the rooms and kicking my legs and going, oh. When is this over? And I could I could understand looking at a painting that it, it was significant and it was something that I should have a, a level of respect for, but it never moved me. Ne- I, I couldn't – I just didn't get the whole craze around it. And I, to, to, I guess dedicate this whole episode to, to Robert, at least at the beginning, Robert fundamentally permanently changed that for me. Mm. 
and I will always be grateful for him because he, and, and this is where like people, I just want to shout out the secret, you know, seek out mentors and figure out what they have to teach you. You can learn something from everyone and every subject. I, I was telling you, I was, uh, I had dinner with a doctor recently and I was asking him a lot of questions about his profession and he taught me interesting things, not just about his work, but that led me to greater life takeaways. People just, again, they silo themselves. And with Robert, sometimes you need a coach telling you why something is beautiful and then you can grow to love it. Like Robert sat with me and he goes, look at the way that that artist painted light that's just done with pigment. How did the, how did he make that figure look glowing, shining? And then you start to go, yeah, you're right. That is, that does take an enormous amount of skill. And then you kind of laid the foundation for loving something. So we've kind of been sold this bill of goods that people have their interests, they have their truths, and they have to stick to them. I think that you can can learn. So what they have to have a passion. It's it's actually. Uh, uh, it's worse than that. Mm -hmm. What most people think is, look, I, I love, and then they'll fill in, you know, seventies music. I, I love contemporary uh, music, you know, contemporary pop. I love rock and that's fine. It's, I have no issue with that whatsoever, but they think, and it's understandable. They think that that's it. That the idea yeah. that I, I'm just building on your point. The idea that I will yearn to love another form of music. Let's say we're talking music. Right. Does never never occurs to them. Uh, it's it's another similarity of, of our nature, though. I, I have always felt that. Uh, now, let me just make clear. I fell in love with music upon first hearing. Right. Liter- literally. I, I, so it's clearly that's in my nature and more than in your nature. Mm-hmm. You, But, uh, uh, and I tell this to Sue, and, and she she sort, sort of laughs at me about it. She will She will come in and hear, let's say, a late Beethoven quartet, which is very dense music. And she said... Do you like that? She's not a big fan of it. Uh, she loves classical, but she loves all types, many types of music. Anyway, so she'll, so I will answer her. I'm I'm working on loving it. Hmm. But that is a thing. People 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 think that if you don't love it immediately, you'll never love That's it. That's right. That's the problem with classical music. Yes. In a nutshell. And so I'm building. I, I and I see myself. I'm listening to. Sometimes I would play the first, you know, 30 seconds and get bored and turn it off. I'm listening to longer pieces. I'm understanding. I want to see the list of pieces that you've been, have you been given or did yeah, you find yeah. on Someone the internet? Yeah, someone gave me a classical music playlist. Do you remember anything that's on it? I can whip it out now. Yeah, I'm very, cu- right I'm, now. I'm very curious. Um, People ask me all the time, what should I listen to? I mean, if, for example, it's hard for me to imagine anybody listening to the William Tell Overture by Giacomo Rossini. Is it on there? Uh, oh, I, I, have no, your hand I have no idea. All right. It's hard for me to believe that... Now, that, that was the Lone Ranger theme. And yep. That's how it became famous mm-hmm. for the, the, the TV show, The Lone Ranger. Uh, but I, I find it hard to imagine not liking that. Well, I think the reason why I now love art so much and I'm becoming enamored with classical music is because there's there's a a seed of awe at the center of it. I think that's the key to, to loving something, appreciating how much work and skill it took for that individual right, to produce what they produced. I I weep at the end of a lot of symphonies, and I don't I never cry, which is it's this funny thing. But it 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 that. There, there, there were two. Two of the reasons I love classical music is mm-hmm. one is that one is how deeply it touches my heart, and and the other is how deeply it touches my mind. The, they're not the same. You have the mind part. I don't know if you'll ever have the heart part. Well, the heart part. I think I, I hope this makes sense, but 
growing up in my generation, we we are not we, we haven't really been connected with those transcendent, eternal, touching things, whether it's music or art or great dramatic plays, theater, like our our influences are so kind of shallow that we haven't learned to be touched. We haven't felt what it's like to be touched. Does that make any sense? Like When you're growing up watching SpongeBob and rap music, you're not connected with the eternal. Sean Sean wants to offer a thought. There's a disconnect, he says. Right. No. Yeah. Totally. That's right. So, Can, could they hear you, or do we have to repeat you? Have we to have to repeat. You. He was saying there's a disconnect between younger generations and older gen- generations, and we used to revere people who were older and other cultures and other do. other right. cultures do. Right. I mean, I, I had a friend in college who's from Poland, and I asked him. I said, "What are what were the main culture shocks coming to the United States?" Yeah. And he said. It is the weirdest thing to me that the way that you treat the elderly, uh-huh. that your grandparents don't live in the home, and that and that kids don't call their grandparents or visit their grandparents on a consistent basis. He said that above anything That's else. That's fascinating. There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver. Bank failures, digital currency volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. Julie Hartman here for AmFed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for precious metals. If you ask AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you that when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece is worth about $2,000. Which would you rather own? Now, let's simplify the reasons to use AmFed coin and bullion. Nick's been in the industry for over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at AmFed coin and bullion, 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Yeah, it's Knocked a horrible, me off my it's, rocker. No, it, it is. It's a horrible loss. It's terrible. I think we, we lost it again. <laughs> tell Do everybody you your number. Code? Yes, of course I want no, your No, I'm not going to tell you my passcode. You won't? Unbelievable. I'll tell you, but we're Okay, yeah, I know. I am joking. Okay. Okay, correct. So the Sasson Organ Symphony is mind-blowing. It's a total... By the way, this is Jordan Peterson's classical music Oh, playlist. is that right? Oh, so this is for one? public All right, let's consumption. See. Uh, Franz List... Franz List Concerto number one is is fantastic. Who does he have play? Okay. There are like a thousand songs in there, and I just piano shuffle concerto. them in the car. So, so List, List wrote two piano concertos. He has them both on. They're both fantastic. See, I have no idea who these people are. Okay, he has another List piece, Concerto Pathetique. If I don't know of a piece, it's pretty rare. Uh, Beethoven, know, okay, so he has all of the... Oh, oh okay. See, I'm not... A, the only Beethoven symphony I'm not a fan of is the sixth. Uh, that's an interesting thing. So Keep scrolling. Beethoven's fifth. Oh, yeah. Well, he has the right performance, Carlos Kleiber. And, and Jordan also has a yeah. um, a uh, blues playlist, jazz, oh, romance. Really? Yeah, oh, and I just listen cool. to those, too. Because I, I'm not very literate in classical music, but similarly... Yeah, this I'm is not, a very long list, yeah. I, I'm not very... I'm not literate, really, in... Um, in jazz? In jazz. Or yeah. even in, like... For in, I was listening to a song the other day called Where Have All the Flowers Gone? It's apparently pretty famous. Yeah. Where have all the flowers gone? You never heard that before? Wasn't that? Was that Peter, Paul, and Mary? Yeah. Yeah. God, if I know that, that's really well known. But but it shows you that what we don't learn. and And what I was saying before, I think, is really important that we... You grew up in a culture where there were all these kind of, I know the word eternal is corny, but you could more easily connect with the eternal Well, the, and the yes, things that are touching. You, now we, we just have that sludge only, only now. Only the new is, is interesting, is, is so stupid well, because everything was new when it came out. Yes. So why did it become unnew or, if you will, uninteresting? Mm-hmm. It's true. That means do they realize today's new is tomorrow's boring? If that's if they're right, 
that time determines whether it's interesting? Well, there's been a loss of conservatism, actually. Just we don't conserve. We don't conserve. Right. We don't, we don't endeavor to carry on the torch we want to, of, of what they've passed on to us. We want to remake the wheel. That's one of the things that fascinates me about classical art, art that was done between 1400 and 1600. I look at those pieces and I go, wow, they were so far ahead of us and they were many centuries behind us. Isn't that an interesting paradox? Like yeah. we should be creating things that are extraordinarily, be- you know, building on the- these great techniques. Like, you know, if you look at art in the 1400s, it's a vast improvement from art in the 1300s, a- which is a vast improvement from art in the 1200s. Like there seemed to be this kind of upward tra- trajectory of learning the previous technique techniques, carrying them on, elevating them and breaking some new ground. We've we've turned back the clock. We've gone back to like the primitive drawings on rocks. That's what you see in most exhibits now. It's like a piece of canvas with a well, line it, through it. It's the age of and it's been this way for fifty years at least, maybe a hundred, where the non talented can can be celebrated. Mm-hmm. That was not true in the past. It, you had to have talent as an artist to be celebrated. Today, you know, look, what was it at the Guggenheim Museum? A guy guy nailed a banana peel onto the wall? Yes. You know, when I was younger, I would go to these museums on, on class trips, mo- modern art museums. And I would look at these paintings and you'd see these people ooing and aahing over, like, the banana on the wall or the one stroke of paint on a canvas. And I remember feeling like they were a part of a club that I wasn't in on. Like they're seeing something. I I, I half thought it was BS, but there was another half of me that thought there's no way that people can be like, I I must be missing something. They're they're a part of some secret club of understanding that I am unable to reach. And let me tell you, it's BS. Right. It's a hoax. The greatest amount of art in most modern art is the description. I know. That's the art. I know. That's true. (laughs) So this segues me nicely into what I wanted to yes. talk about, which is, you know, we're, we're saying that we, we've kind of reversed course with, with art, with music. We built all this up and now we're coming down. That is true of the way that we regard the dignity of human life. I was recently reading some articles on the prevalence of euthanasia in the Western world, and it is absolutely staggering. Some of the things that are going on. Let me just quickly pull out. I have these articles. Actually, where the hell are they? This bag. By the way, I get so much of my my uh, news and sources from the Epic Times. And talk about being a deep the person. Epic Times is fantastic. If you want to be a deep person, get a weekly subscription. They just it's once a week paper copy to the Epic Times, and they have a life and tradition section. I have learned more from that section than, than any other source. And they profile a painter. They profiled a, a uh, postcard it's, illustrator. I think it's the most important newspaper outside of the Wall Street It journal. really is. Okay, so anyway, so there's this guy. His name is Wesley Smith, and he writes all of these articles on, on this subject. Euthanasia, okay? In the Netherlands, they legalized euthanasia right. in the early 2000s. And first it was for terminally ill people. Then it became for chronically ill people. Then it became for the elderly who consented. And now then depressed. it came to people with disabilities. And now it's for people who are depressed mm-hmm. or who have mental illnesses. And the same thing is happening in Canada, though on a shorter time scale. They, they legalized euthanasia in 2016. And starting this year, 2024, they will allow you, as long as you have the consent of two doctors, to choose to kill yourself if you have depression. And, and how hard is it to get consent from two doctors? It's it's crazy. And they have exa- – I mean you should – everyone should look this guy up, Wesley Smith, and I did a Timeless episode on it too if you want to watch it. But there are examples of people who report loneliness or they report feeling like they're a burden to their families and doctors consent to have them being killed. And so there's an, – and we see here – this is this is a quote from this article that, – that public – um, public opinion on this is shifting. For instance, 
In Canada, 27% of respondents to the survey think that euthanasia should be acceptable for the homeless. Wait, so it's shifting to even more liberal views yes. on euthanasia? Yes. Same, same thing in the Netherlands. So a quarter of, where, of what? Americans? Nope. Canadians. 27% a quarter of, of Canadians. Canadians think that I'm homeless. Yes. I, I sh- I sh- it's okay if I want to kill myself. Yes. And in the Netherlands, there's this new um, uh, proposal for a law uh, that, that is called the um, Euthanasia for a Completed Life. And essentially what they're proposing is if you're over 75 years old and you think you have what's called a completed life, like you've lived enough, then you can be allowed to euthanize yourself. And so this, for the record, this hasn't been passed yet, but 80% of surveyed Dutch voters support that law. Okay. I'm almost done with my little spiel and then I'll kick it to kick it over to you for your thoughts. I want to, I want to place that article alongside another one. Nature rights paganism advancing in the West, okay? Yep. In Ireland, there's a joint committee on environment and climate action, which has, quote, according to the BBC, recommended that the government advance a referendum on protecting biodiversity and giving nature human rights. In the in the Constitution of Ecuador, they give nature rights. In Panama, the Supreme Court shut down a copper mine because the mine as a right not to be discriminated against, okay? Persecuted. Persecuted. So so this is what we're seeing, and this is the greater theme. We have worked so hard to advance civilization. This is the kind of stuff that people did centuries and thousands of years ago. We have worked so hard to advance civilization, and now we are descending back into the dregs. So here is the, the fact of life today. We are not in a post-Judeo-Christian world. We're moving to a pre-Judeo-Christian world. Yes. That is well said. Mm-hmm. That's really true. I'm going to start using that. It is. You're right. It's not post. It's pre. Right. So mm. I'll give you an example. The What is the San Jose... Sean... Oh, okay, he's not there. The... Um, what is the San Jose hockey team's name? The Sharks. <laughs> yeah. So the San Jose Sharks had a celebration before one of the... This is an NHL team. This is the highest level of professional hockey, NHL's National Hockey League. So the San Jose Sharks last year, you'll this will blow your mind, had an evening, a salute to the Aztecs. Now, do you know how much human sacrifice the Aztecs engaged in? Totally. I mean... Now, if there's any group that I, I'm not dying to salute it's those who engaged in human sacrifice oh i <laughs> but that that's that's what they're doing that's what i say pre pre torah well you know what here's the thing about this euthanasia is a very complicated subject i actually really appreciate hearing your thoughts on it because if i may i and you you've written about this publicly i know that you have a particularly close example with bruce right um which we'll, we'll provide details about in a moment but you know i I've contemplated this because of my sister with autism, you know, and, and the amount that, that she has suffered and been sub- subjected to terrible well, severe care. severe autism. I want people to yes. understand. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's very, I mean, I'm, I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm for, yeah. I'm saying I've, I've thought about this right, right. and I well, understand. Your, your honesty is, is, is exemplary. Go ahead. Of course. I mean, anybody who has a, a relative with a severe disability which sees is, how much right. they suffer. And Why which wouldn't, is permanent. Yes. And so I understand too, I was reading comments online about euthanasia and people were saying I had a sister who had a brain tumor and watching her suffer in the final few months was was just inhumane. So I understand this is complicated, but we're now in the territory where, you know, people are supporting the homeless. People are supporting if you're depressed and it just reflects a greater diminution. I always struggle with this word. Diminution. Diminution in the value of human life. 
Mike Lindell and MyPillow employees want to thank all of our listeners for your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use the promo code Hartman and you get free shipping on your entire order. Get 50% off of the MyPillow 2.0 and the brand new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of free shipping on larger items like mattresses and and mattress toppers, 100% made in the USA and on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb, dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code HARTMAN or call 1-800-566-6745 and get free shipping on your entire order while supplies last. And we see this with abortion. You know, I've talked about on this show how I'm conflicted on the subject of abortion, but there is no doubt we're so lackadaisical about it. We talk about it like it's it's this celebratory thing. We we have we don't we don't even deal with it with the gravity that it deserves. It is killing a human life. Look at fentanyl, look at crime, look at all of the like I even notice when I pass a homeless person on the street, it doesn't hit me as much as it used to. Hmm. When I was younger and I saw a homeless person, I was heartbroken. I remember talking with my dad about volunteering at shelter. It really affected me. And now you see these people everywhere and all of us just kind of walk by it like it's nothing. And then at the same time, we see these people who are throwing soup cans at the Mona Lisa. It's like they care. Can you imagine if they channeled their their rage to rage against fentanyl and against crime? They're more outraged by the climate than they are by human suffering. That's right. weird. That's right. I couldn't say it better. That's exactly right. And it's just we, we're bathed in this culture that we kind of consume it and we don't realize that the thing that has made the West great is that we have placed a, a outsized value on human life. And now that's being rolled back. But your ambivalence is worthy in, in cases like the example that you gave that I gave is my stepson's dad, uh, the, the the father of Sue's kids, had a horrible accident. He fell off a ladder. He fell on his stomach onto the uh, stairs of the ladder. Did horrible damage to himself, and he was in, in agonizing pain. And they took him off painkillers because they didn't want him the doctors were afraid to overdose and have him addicted uh, to opioids which were the only thing that could stop the pain in fact i met a man a few years afterwards who was on opioids for a very similar thing in his stomach uh, or stomach area and was doing fine the guy went to work every day thanks to the opioids but uh, Bruce could not get them, and he finally killed. He shot himself death. He killed himself. I spoke at his uh, memorial service, and I said, I, I fully agree with what Bruce did. I, t- I wanted people there not to have any embarrassment. They were thrilled that I said this because a lot of them had respect for me. And I do. I, I, I wrote a, an article. It's on the Internet about the father of my stepsons who killed himself. And I don't blame him, and I don't blame the concept of euthanasia. I blame the lack of seriousness in painkilling work in medicine. Well, I don't know if Bruce's um, situation argues for euthanasia. I think it's more so argues that he should have been prescribed the the painkillers. That's what it argues for, but he wasn't. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yes, you're, you're right. M- my belief is that it should, there are times when it is morally justified. I don't believe that God is honored by horrific suffering of innocent people yep. that cannot be undone. So I just want to say that as a religious person, I do believe that. However, once society makes it legal 
as opposed to looks away when it happens, it you get the slippery slope you described earlier. Right. I mean, I would have been fine with it had they just kept it to originally what it was made to do. You know, with get people, people with, out of yeah. horrific, and who had, irreversible, yes, terminal, terminal illness, suffering, right. you know. Right. But now it's so liberalized and it's terrifying. But that's terrifying. inevitable. That, that, that's right. what happens. So the, the trick is doctors... And, and and the patients and the patients' loved ones decide on it, and we don't prosecute the doctor. Really, you think that's the solution? That's that's what I believe is the solution. Wow. See, uh, I don't like once, that either. Well, I, I don't like that no, either. Well, okay, so fine. We need. May, wait. All okay. I could say is, once you legalize it, it will it will. There's an inevitability. In other words, it it is absolutely assured that it will happen what you describe i don't think there is an inevitability and you know if we the problem is the health of our society has is terrible and i think if we were a healthy population if we had our heads screwed on straight we would understand that the the limits of this of allowing this i don't think so. i don't think it's inevitable tell, tell me I'll give you an example having nothing to do with euthanasia, civil rights legislation. Well, yeah. So I I was passionately for it. I was a kid, but I was passionately for it because it was so egregious. What the discrimination, a black can't eat at a lunch counter. I mean, that's absurd. Right. Can't check into a hotel. Uh, But Barry Goldwater was right. He said, uh, it's disgusting. He founded the NAACP in Arizona. That's how committed he was, and he to, desegregated to his, his family business, Goldwater. Right. He, he, he was he was magnificent on the on on the issue of blacks he was. and discrimination, but he he was against the civil rights legislation as a law. Uh, he said there will be no end. Uh, there were two reasons he gave. First of all, if we're really a free society, people should be free to be obnoxious, and he's right, and he turned out right. Uh, and I say this as a Jew, you're an anti-Semite and you don't want me to eat in your restaurant because I'm a Jew, you should have the right to be despicable. Because the greater threat to my society, at least American society, is not that all of a sudden all restaurants will close down to Jews. The greater threat is that tomorrow you won't want a Nazi to dine in your restaurant and you won't be able to block it. So anyway, he predicted correctly that one was the freedom issue and the other was... Government intervention. Yes, that it won't end. And now it it hasn't ended. Oh, prime example. The state of California on January 1st, 2024 mandated that if you are a department store with over 500 employees, you have to have a gender neutral toy section in your yes, department store. Guess what they cited? Right. The the Unruh Civil Rights Act of the state of California. You are discriminating on the basis of gender by not affirming. Right. That's what they use in the, the, I read the documents, affirming people's gender. Now, that never ending addition, Vietnam era status, um, uh, uh, trans, everything, it, it doesn't end. I remember on the radio saying, well, wait a minute, folks, let me understand something. I run a retail operation. I run a retail store. And one of my salesmen decides to wear a dress. Can I, as the employer, say, I'm sorry, I'd like you, you're a man, and I'm talking, not talking trans. He identifies a man, but he wants to wear women's clothing. It's very common. Mm-hmm. I don't get it, but it's very common. And why can't I, as an employer, say, I'm sorry, it makes most of our customers uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We are a retail business. Mm -hmm. We need customer goodwill. Don't wear a skirt to work if you have a beard. But under legislation, I would be sued up the kazoo because of civil rights legislation. So that's why I say to you, that as soon as you would allow euthanasia legally on X, 
it will be 2X, then 1Y, then 1Z, or 1Z for our listeners outside of the U.S. Well, to support your point, we saw this with abortion, that when abortion was legalized, it just skyrocketed. And at the, in, in 1973, when Roe was passed, both Democrats and the Republicans, the few Republicans who supported it, agreed safe, legal, rare. And to your point, it just spun out of control. So I hear you. But it's I, I, your alternative of the doctors just not that, – that has its own slippery slope. Totally. Of, well, doctors can just kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, you're, do things on the side, right. including that's, killing that's, people. That's right. And that's not pro- – yeah. either way, you're – Either way, we're screwed. But yeah, either, no, seriously. I, I either agree. way, it sucks. Yes. No, no, that's correct. But I, you know, I, I know I'm kind of a broken record with this, but the the amount that I talk about the Bible and God on this show, I feel like, especially recently, I've been very no, I, I heavy don't think on it. So. No, okay, go ahead. So much of what we are seeing is a rebellion against Judeo-Christian values yeah, and the antidote but, to yes. it. I mean, it, for for instance, this whole idea of m- more countries are granting human rights statuses, status to nature. That's what I said. That, We're going to pre-Judeo-Christian. Yes. You read the, the you know in the first 30 chapters of Genesis – it, it's saying, you know, human beings are created in God's image and likeness. Na- nature, you know, plants and trees are not. In Genesis, I think it's uh, verse 26 of chapter, uh, oh, which, oh, sorry, I cursed. <laughs> I, want, I really want to know my, my, my uh, chapters and verses by heart, but I'm not there yet. But they, it says uh, when they're created, when when God says man is in our image and, and in our likeness, one twenty six. Thank you. He says, and man will rule over the birds and the creeping things in nature. It is like God gets it. It's a prescription of. It doesn't mean that you know you should inflict um, suffering on animals. You know you shouldn't be like unruly in nature. But human beings are have a superior status to nature and now we're seeing the opposite where nature is increasingly having a superior status it's to human status. beings god has a superior status to us yes parents have a superior status to us well that's what you write in right. about distinctions yes distinctions it's everything and we don't we don't have distinctions anymore but a bit so much of this is is just a like you can literally outline here's the biblical value here's the exact way that it's being inverted leftism is the I don't use the term antichrist. I am not Christian, but be you know, I, I don't, it's not for me to use. Therefore, so I will only say it is the anti-Bible. Dennis Prager here with a man I have come to admire for his work. So when I asked him, "What do you do?" This is the title he gave: Wealth Architect. Very simply put, I am a wealth architect that helps my clients accelerate the way they grow your wealth. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. The Internal Revenue Code is embedded with a number of things that you can take advantage of. It's what I call playing tax chess. We take the time to play tax chess in your favor. We give our clients unbiased, independent advice across all areas in their financial life because we have no incentive to sell anything. I was taken enough and impressed enough to have you do my work. And you have, in fact, saved me a serious amount of money. CharlesDombeck.com slash Prager. Leftism is anti-Bible. It is the antithesis of biblical values. It's the antithesis of American values. The American Trinity is... And by the way, they admit this. This is, you know, they they actually say this. American Trinity. Mm -hmm. E pluribus unum, liberty and God we trust. The left hates all three values. That's why there's a two two national anthems at the Super Bowl. I, really? I, I can't. T- you didn't know that? I didn't know that. I don't watch any football. Oh no, you don't have to watch football. This is a very this is a huge issue. It's the subject of of one of my columns that the Super Bowl uh, has uh, has two the national anthem and the black national anthem. Another we're a member of two. Na- there were two nations in America: Americans and Black Americans. And and and. Again, look at all that we did to get to the point of colorblindness and unity, and then we're 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 going back 
as you say, it's an, we're going yes. back to the pre. I mean, who? what other group in American history would support having two national anthems? Hmm. The KKK. That's in white right. supremacy. So we so we did all this work to rid right. that that terrible egregiousness from our the way that we do things and then now we're reverting back in to Canada, it. In Canada it's it's now common on campuses you have black dorms, black black uh restaurants, black it is everything exists just for blacks and just for whites. Well, progressivism is so progressive that it's regressive. Maybe because it goes in, in a circle. Right. But, what, you know, why do you think it is? I, I cited the example of the people throwing the soup at the Mona Lisa. And I want to say to them, are you as angry about the fentanyl overdoses and the slaughter of innocent human beings on the street and people dying, seeking euthanasia because they're depressed and they're alone? Are you as outraged about that as you are by climate change? And and the answer is no, because you see how they're directing right. their energies. Why? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, it's the abandonment of, uh, of the Judeo-Christian value system. I mean, you, you in, a, in a sense, have preceded it with the answer. I think there's another answer i agree with you that's 80 percent of it i think that fight crusading against climate change is the far easier battle correct and people want to have the glory of being a change maker well i've said this all of my life the left fights made up evils that's right like here again back to race there's so little racism in the united states they they call it microaggressions Mm mm-hmm they acknowledge it's micro. It's it, it's in the micro, and they are micro. And then they make up nonsense as, so to say you're race blind, it means you're racist. That's a lie. Race blind is the opposite, literally the opposite of racist. So they fight nothing. Uh, 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 the perfect example is they crap on Christians and they bow down to Muslims. Piss Christ, a crucifix in urine, went to museums all over America. Would they put a Quran in urine? Of course not, because they're afraid of Muslims. They're not afraid of Christians. Left doesn't battle bad people. They never did. That's why they never battled the communists. Not that you're saying that Mos- I know people are going to cut it and go, you're saying Muslims are bad people. or Right, of course. Okay, good. I'm glad you said I that. To catch I, that I, right. I know Talking about the Islamists talking about the radical Islamists. We're not talking about all Muslims. But uh, when I said they fear Muslims, that's, a, that's a, a totally accurate statement. It is true. And they don't fear Christians. That's a totally accurate statement. That doesn't mean every single Muslim is frightening. I, but what I said is, is literally accurate. The left doesn't fear Christians, and they do fear Muslims. So therefore, uh, they, they will... Never put a, a a Muslim symbol in urine, and they're okay. They celebrate putting a cross, in this case a crucifix, in urine. That's the Andres Serrano yes. art piece, yes, for those deep, who... Deep, very deep. Very deep. Yes. And, but you know what the, the irony is that it actually shows the beauty of Christianity. Of the course fact it that does. he can do that That's and nothing's right. going to happen That's to him. Yes. Ironically, he's kind of proving the point of how wonderful Christianity you, you, is. You would think. And, but people don't and put two and they two put together. They put Quran in yes, you know, or, a tub or, 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 or of well, urine. If you simply paint a, a, a picture cartoon. of Muhammad, cartoon of Muhammad you, yeah. you, there's a good chance you will die. Yes. Die. Yes. Not be protested against. Yep. I mean, I had Robert Spencer on my show, who's a who's a um, study. I'm surprised uh, if Robert Spencer doesn't live in a fort. He does. I, I believe it. Well, he does. I mean, literally, he he. We came on Zoom, and he, he was in a black, dark room, and only his face was illuminated by the screen. And Sean and, and Rick asked me to ask him. You know, could you could you change the orientation? Could you turn on some lights? It looks really weird. And he said no. And I said why? And he said. ISIS tried to execute me in 2015. I was poisoned in Iceland by Islamic jihadists. Thank in God Iceland. I survived in Iceland. And he said, I cannot give anybody any indication of what my home looks like. 
I don't want them to see the size and shape of my windows because that can be an indication of where I live. Wow. Can you imagine living in that kind of fear? Does anybody who criticizes well, he, he Christianity truly, live in that kind of fear? Truly, that's right. That's the point. And that, of course, and again, it's that, so, it's that, so, it's so, it sucks that we always have to do no, this. No, you like, don't have to say it. Doesn't it mean that, that every Muslim right, would it, go uh, after him. Of course not. Oh, and by the way, only the left does that. The left distorts everything we say. Everything. I know. Because truth is not a left wing value. Truth is not a left wing value. Once you know that, you understand fifty percent of what you need to understand to understand the world today. Right. But back to the Mona Lisa soup throwers, I, I think a lot of this is is ease, and it's that they don't want to get their hands dirty morally. And, you know, if you take on a cause like euthanasia, I mean, even in the limited research that I was doing for my episode, it is gory stuff. Because I've read I, – I read comments. I watch videos of people who have – you know, considered this as an option, and you learn just terrible, terrible things. It's not, it's not, it doesn't brighten your day, you know? And so people, I think, choose the easier causes because, and I'm not saying fighting for climate, against climate change is all bad, you know, but it is an easy cause compared to the vast numbers of suffering in the world. And I think they do it because a lot of them want the glory, they want yeah. the praise, but they don't actually and want to confront real themselves. evil. Yeah. I see that here, here in Los Angeles. There are a lot of really, really affluent people in this city whose primary philanthropic cause is the L.A. River. The, the river. And I want to say to these people, wow, you're well, supporting the L.A. River? Did they really? Get, did they get a thank you note from the river? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the river may have human rights, but the river does not have hu- human characteristics. At least not yet. Well, I was thinking there is a love of 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 nature that goes beyond the healthy. I love nature. Any normal human being loves nature. But right, and, and this is what I have a problem with is the it's substituting love of nature for love of or it's of um, it perhaps that's not the yes. best word, but no, it's no. like yes, it people does. love and glorify nature right. more than they you know do human beings. You should, you know, when if you're going through your day and you're thinking overwhelmingly about recycling and about carbon emissions and about maybe I should bike or maybe I should, I'm not saying that's bad, but if you're thinking about that in excess at the expense of thinking how you might be able to help a homeless person on the street or how you might be able to c- call your grandmother, that's a problem. And that's what that's what the situation wrote, we're in. A, I wrote an essay uh, a few months ago that young Americans have not been taught about evil. Oh, it's so true. Look at look how often that term right is thrown that. around. I I am very careful to reserve that term only for when it and by the way, I'm I'm careful with all these terms because as as you and I often talk about the word racism, the word sexism, the word bigotry, the word white right supremacy, they've all been distorted. But I really reserve so I try to use the all of the mm-hmm. those appropriately, but especially evil. But they don't know anything. What is it? Uh, nearly 40% never heard of Auschwitz. I'm sure 80% never heard of Gulag. I'm sure 80%, 90% don't know about the, the Great Leap Forward mm-hmm. and the Cultural Revolution in China. Mm-hmm. And the famine. I mean, we're talking about, you know, just those things. I mean, Cambodia. How many have heard of Pol Pot? If you don't know evil then you get really angry about climate change. That's your point. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there's not that much evil to fight. I'll, I'll fight lesser evils. And evil is the norm. I mean, th- I, I was thinking the other day, I, I, it just hit me, I thought, what percent of the world is American? And I went online, 4% of the world. We're only 4% of the world. Hmm. And obviously that doesn't mean that everywhere else there's all this evil and we're the enclave of goodness. Of course, that's not what it means. But like what percentage of the world live in free Western countries where you, if you're a woman, can wear your hair down and have equal rights? Where if you're gay, you can have – I mean we we are the – 
We're in this little enclave, and the vast majority of the world lives in authoritarian, dictatorial, poverty-stricken, crime-ridden, gang-ruling places. That's right. But we don't, we don't know. We're moving there. We, we're moving. Well, that's the whole theme of the episode. That's Climb correct. the hill, going back down. That's Sisyphus. You know about the Sisyphus? I do, actually. I'm proud that I know that. <laughs> Whenever I don't know a reference, I write it down and I learn it. I love that about you. That's very impressive. I, I do the same thing. I, if I, to this day, if I come across a word I don't understand in English, mm-hmm. I look it up. I know. I, I that, that's sort of why, like, I seek out these older friendships. It's, it's it's an opportunity to to learn and, and better yourself. Like they've walked down the path of life and they can tell me all the answers. Learning a new word, it's like another notch on your belt. I, I view it as cool. Maybe I'm just a nerd. No, By the way, we're matching nerd. today. How so? You're you're blue, I'm blue. Where did you get that tie? Is that Lily Pulitzer? No. Do you buy your own ties? No. Yeah, I do. Yeah, because I have to get tall where, man. Ties. Where do you get them from? Wherever whoever sells tall ties. Well, this is it's a tall uh, tie. Extra long. Oh. Extra long. Oh. Uh, my body's too long. Oh, forgive long. me. This is uh, Italian silk. Yes, Ziamati. Ziamati. You know, by the way, something I learned. I was reading Bernard Lewis's book on Islam, and in a lot of Muslim societies, they don't have men wear a tie you know why why it resembles the cross the cross hmm that's why sean doesn't wear a tie yeah you finally you finally figured it out what's my email your email is dennis at dennis prager.com is that the is that your public email yeah that's the email that i sent to you that's right and it's amazing you saw it. That's actually good. You should publicize your email in addition to mine. com. But you should definitely write Julie because she forwards some of the best ones to me. I do. They're very touching, actually, what people write. A lot of people come over to me at speeches and say they, they really love Dennis and Julie. Well, we do, too. That's true. All right, tell them. Julie at Julie-Hartman.com. Thank you to all of you who write in to me. Love hearing from you. And you can follow me at Julie R. Hartman on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow Dennis at the Dennis Prager on Instagram and at Dennis Prager on Twitter. Shalom. This is it. Tell me, folks. That's a great way to end. Listen. We should end with a new classical song every episode. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.